You're listening to Cosmic Tonic. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, let me say that again. <clears throat> Cosmic Tonic. Hello. Thanks for tuning in to the Cosmic Tonic podcast. We are so pleased to announce Anna is the winner of September's 60-minute reading giveaway with the three of us. Check your email for scheduling. There was only one Anna who entered, so we'll leave last names out of the announcements to protect privacy. If you've already signed up, you will automatically be added to each raffle until the end of December. And if you'd like to sign up, please go to the top menu bar of our homepage at www.cosmictonic.com. We'll reach out to you third week of October to let you know if you won. As mentioned on our previous podcast, Cosmic Tonic is collaborating with Constellation Coffee Company on an astrological tea line. And first edition Liberty is ready for you to purchase at constellationcoffeeco.com forward slash Cosmic Tonic. That's constellationcoffeeco.com forward slash Cosmic Tonic. Here's a few words from Constellation owner, Jessica Durden. I'm Jessica from Constellation Coffee Company here in Houston, Texas. And me and my husband love coffee. And so we also are very particular about what we put in our bodies and what we do to our earth. So we try to focus on organic as much as we can, um, but we also are very meticulous. We actually hand sort out our organic coffees uh, that we also do air roasting, um, so that's kind of how we started. But after I drink my two cups of coffee, I go right to tea, and I drink tea all day. And my husband's like, why aren't we sourcing tea? We should do something with tea. And so we started doing teas about a year ago. Uh, coincidentally, I also met Jasmine about a year ago, and we just kind of hit it off, and we wanted to do something together, and I'm pretty excited about it. The teas are just absolutely beautiful that we're picking. We're being extremely meticulous about all that we do, not just the teas itself, but how we're utilizing them, um, what people can do with them, and how these teas can work for us as people. So I don't think just a Libra can only drink Libra tea. I think that me as a Gemini need to definitely harness a little bit more of my venus mojo so that's why i would drink that tea but i also would just drink it because it's delicious you can follow jessica on instagram at constellation tx in this episode we chat about the sign and archetype of libra if you like what we do please leave us a five-star rating write a review or share the podcast with your friends we appreciate it and there's a couple different ways you can listen to us. One way is on your favorite podcast app or by subscribing to us on YouTube. As you know, we are committed to bringing you the best content related to astrology and the occult. We are fully funded by viewer support. So please donate to our podcast by visiting the donation link at the bottom of our homepage. Again, our website is www.cosmictonic.com. For those of you who've donated, thank you so much. It really helps us keep this podcast going.
And thanks for being here. And we really hope you enjoy the show. Let's get some Libra going here. Oh, I have the same book. <laughs> this is this is the book you bought, Trin. I know. I love. I, I use it all the time. That's Eliza's it. teacher, the one from oh, England. Oh, Taylor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Taylor Taylor. I feel like it's just such a good summary, and it's good for kids too. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. It's so great. It's it's just yeah. It's a cute book. She loves it. Oh, that's she so funny it. that we both use it. I use that and some other things to prep. <laughs> she, this sits on her bedside table, so <laughs> I always have to go steal it from her when we're doing these podcasts. Which brings me to another point. This is our last podcast of all the signs. We've done all of them. Now. Oh my gosh. I know. So it's been a full year. Interesting. No, I was, huh? yeah. I was remembering how we started with Scorpio season or spooky season and just remembering the landscape of that morning. And it was similar for this morning, contemplating Libra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean we're right on that verge right it's just all the grasses are so golden it's like you can see all the grains and then you pop up a layer and all the aspen trees are turning this green golden orangey red and it's just yeah Venus being the ruler of Libra it's just so I always find it so interesting to work with what's really happening in the environment and then it is really equal night and day about to happen. And the days are still so warm here. Um, Jacob was talking about, it was like 80 degrees and he was walking in recently to an area he was hunting and it was 80 degrees. And then that night they slept in a drainage and they woke up to their water being frozen. And it was the same here this morning. Like everything was frost covered, but already it's starting to warm up. And that transition is just so potent. It's like literal warm day cold night yeah and you have real seasons there (laughs) right I'm like (laughs) yeah Yeah. which is which is awesome hopefully I'll get a chance to come see you soon (laughs) yeah I know versus Texas right like you don't see it feel it the same way no you're just happy to be able to go on a bike ride because you're not gonna sweat your ass off (laughs) come October you know but the winters are nice because it doesn't freeze. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me take that back. It froze last year. Anyways. Well, why don't we start with some Libra stats? <laughs> okay. So the polarity of Libra is positive. The mode is cardinal. The element is air. The ruling planet is Venus. And the part of the body are the kidneys. And it's also the lumbar region as well I also heard it was the buttocks buttocks <laughs> uh-huh it's that entire entire area and you as a Libra sun Jasmine mm-hmm. how does that how does a, that feel I have a big butt <laughs> I have a big butt <laughs> it's there big beautiful butt <laughs> wasn't what I was trying to say <laughs> me neither <laughs> I don't need a Brazilian butt lift. No. (laughs) Um, Even though as Libra, Libras, you know, tend to uh, gravitate towards, you know, making themselves beautiful in whatever way they possibly can, don't they? Um, Yeah, I was, I was contemplating Libra season and, you know, as I've continued to gain knowledge about Libra, 
and just about astrology in general and contemplating the fact that this the sun is actually in fall in Libra. Um, it's exalted in Aries, and that's why it's in fall in Libra. And what that really means and what it means for me, because I actually have the sun in fall to the degree. And I kind of think of Libra being the place where the sun goes to restore its energy. And uh, I've been contemplating also just planets in general being in fall and like what that means. And I feel like every planet, every luminary has to have a place to go to rest and regain its strength. I also think that because Libra is ruled by the planet Venus, that it does bring this sweetness to the sun being there. And I think that it also brings out a lot of the elements and a lot of the archetypal things that we can associate with Libra just being ruled by Venus, like the balance Uh, Words like harmony that usually get associated with Libra, also bringing in the idea of partnership, which is associated with the sign of Libra. Yeah, I, I just feel like the sun being in Libra is just a much more powerful place than it gets the reputation for sometimes. I don't know. I'm curious what you guys think about that, too. Yeah, I wonder if we should actually explain I don't know that we've ever done this if we should explain a little bit about if if these terms exaltation and fall are totally new to folks what we're talking about is this ancient scheme of essential dignities so there are planets that are said to be detriment in some in some signs there are planets said to be in dignity or in domicile which means they're at home in certain signs they rule that sign and there are also signs of exaltation where they're like these esteemed guests in the sign. And like Jasmine said, opposite that sign of exaltation is their place of fall. And there's, I believe the Greek term, it does relate to this low lying place or this depression. So I actually really love that interpretation, Jasmine, of um, going somewhere to rest. Like you can imagine the planet entering this bunker to sort of restore or refuel, or it's it's going into sub- subterranean realm just to to hibernate or to lay low for a while. Um, and it's not like the sun being in fallen Libra. It's not like Libra is in any way a deficient sign. Mm-hmm. It's just that the natural properties of the sun in its own right are, are not necessarily matched by the natural properties of Venus ruled Libra. And I think this is one of the clearer examples actually, and it's maybe in favor of Libra because, you know, the sun, the sun is, the sun is exalted in Aries because it's this singular self-sovereign autonomous, very self-focused entity. Whereas like you said, Jazz, like Libra is more focused on harmony, on collaboration, on getting fueled by like your partnerships. And, and so that like, self-sovereign gritty independence gets a little diffused in Libra but that doesn't make Libra less any less of a sign or any um less admirable it's just like (laughs) it's more of a value of them to get along (laughs) and to work with others um and yeah I don't know I see this in you jazz and I know you 
also have moon in the seventh, but like I've witnessed you to be someone who really um, draws a lot of motivation from your collaborations, from working with other people. Like I've never seen you to just want to get ahead on your own. That's like the opposite of you. <laughs> I don't know how much you resonate with that or with that side of Libra. <laughs> well, it, collaborations just happen to me too. It's not like I seek them out. It's just, I end up in a, in a situation. I meet somebody, we have a connection and the connection turns creative very quickly. And so sometimes I, I stop and I go like, okay, here I go again. <laughs> here's another partnership, you know, here's another collaboration. Um, but I've learned to accept that about myself too. It's something that I used to want to change or feel like I needed to work on or um, balance in some sort of way. But I, I find that I have autonomy in doing other things. Cause I am, I can be very introverted and I can want to act on my own. It's just in different ways. It's when it comes to work and when it comes to creativity specifically, that's when I want to collaborate. I mean, of course I love being in my par partnership um, um, in terms of like having a romantic relationship. I mean, that's something that I always have had uh, my entire life as I've been in a relationship and um, that's something that that's a whole nother podcast, probably <laughs> talk about like why that is, but um, it's a strong part of my chart. It's how I find a lot of value through my life is through my romantic partnerships and just creative partnerships in general. But um, there's a lot of things that I do behind the scenes that are very alone and, and solo. And I think about my, my relationship to the divine and how I practice my, um, my ritualistic work and things of that nature, that's even though that, it, that is its own collaboration, but that's something that I do on a solo level. And so, yeah. And which makes me think that son of yours rules that 12th house of yours of Leo, that behind the scenes piece, which makes a lot of sense. And it also just seems like your Libra son really has a gift too in that second house. Like it's just something that it, naturally does with these collaborations and I always think of the second house to uh, our skill sets and, and things we value as well mm -hmm. so that really comes out and I just also remember witnessing you one of the first times just being so diplomatic I almost feel like I want to give you the the name of the queen of paradoxes or like not the black and white thinking that you really can see both sides of a situation. It's like you can hold these opposite and opposing views and help people navigate towards the middle. Yeah. The scales. I, I'm holding the scales for you. <laughs> it's a Libra superpower, right? I also do feel like it's the responsibility of the Libra archetype to be able to mediate and be you know, the one that can create that harmony between two situations that probably can't do it for themselves independently. Um, and I also find that a lot of people call on Libras or the Libra archetype or friends that they know to kind of mediate <laughs> in situations for them. Um, but yeah. I also, I just want to touch on this. Like I find Libra, I think I've, being friends with you has made me 
so curious about this archetype and its layers, its complexities, because it would be a mistake, I think, to see Libra as necessarily codependent on partnership or, uh, or um, really relying on others in any kind of way that it faces themselves. At least Libra, I think, in its truest expression is actually super um, autonomous and independent and knows what they want, but they're able to balance that with other people. And I think about the justice card and I think about that sword mm-hmm. and it's like, yes. And you see this in representations of justice in courtrooms, like, yes, lady justice is carrying scales, but she's also carrying a sword mm-hmm. and that's relating to the mind, but that's also relating to that ability to be incisive or decisive when the situation calls and for you, when I witness that, it's when some when justice or fairness is at stake, and then there's no waffling. It's just like no, you're, you're no wielding waffling. that sword. It's it's very Queen of Swords energy, with like the head and the hand, right? <laughs> not, not just you. I've seen this in other Libra people, and it's like there's nothing meek about it. I think like yes, there's the sweetness to Libra, but there can be a a steeliness too when when fairness or justice is at stake absolutely and I I think the longevity of the Libra relationships do stand from that place where if you're in a partnership or collaboration or even a friendship where things are fair in that relationship and the Libra sees it as being fair, that relationship will last forever. But as soon as things get out of balance, you know, that's another Libra term again, it's it, that relationship can easily be something that has to be, you know, done away with or restructured in some way. But as long as the communication stays on board and things feel reciprocated, then, you know, the Libra's there they're in it for the long haul. And so you, you just saying all that makes me realize that every relationship that I have that has been long-term, whether it's friendship, you know, working partnership or or romantic partnerships, that's like one of the foundations of the relationship is that things are equal, things are fair. And that's my comfort zone. Well, and honest. And honest. Like there's some, if there's something about an air sign, like Libra, that's, it, there's a transparency and there's an expectation that others be transparent with you and that you be transparent with them. And like, if, if, you know, mistakes are made fine, but like there needs to be honesty around that um, is what I. Oh yeah. Mean. <laughs> well, and then Libras too, always, this is, you know, this could be a shadow, but I mean, you know, Libras expect that transparency, I think, which can get them into trouble. Because, you know, we're dealing with human beings here, (laughs) you know, and human beings aren't always transparent or there's different reasons for why they wouldn't be. Um, And so I think that there has that part of the archetype is something to work with, you know, and, and kind of lower or even out or neutralize the expectations around around people and also give them the opportunity to self-correct. That's another thing, um, which I know is part of the air sign archetype is just like you're, you're talking about with the swords, you know, just wielding that sword, um, maybe not being so quick with that um, and, and leaving some room. 
right. And leaving room and relationships that they do ebb and flow. It's, it's impossible to always stay in that perfect harmonious point. Exactly. Yeah. And you were, it's almost as if you were defining the more, um, highest expression of Leva, you were pulling in the shadow as well. Cause it seems like it would be a hint to a Libra that they're kind of moving into a more regressed place. If the dishonesty comes there, it's hard to really speak your truth or the indecision starts to overweigh that people pleasing quality. You know, it's not that there's not a sweetness and you're not wanting to, you know, have this lovely interaction with others and hear both sides. But I think when it goes over to the people pleasing, that's an indication or conflict avoidance, even conflict avoidance is a thing, but I also think there needs to be, well, this is part of conflict avoidance. There needs to be an investigative quality to why situations are the way they are instead of just cutting people off. Um, And that's just what I have found just getting older, right. With age is, You know, when I was younger, I would be so quick to cut people off if I felt like I was being treated unfair. You know, I also have Pluto conjunct the sun (laughs) with Mercury there. But it was it was a defense mechanism. You know, in my 20s, it was like, oh, you know, you treated me unfairly. You're out, you know, instead of like finding out why, you know, having that conversation, having that communication, that dialogue and figuring out, you know, is this relationship um, worth maintaining is, is it, um, which, you know, a lot of times I feel like, you know, a lot of relationships are worth maintaining, especially if you feel a certain way about somebody. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do feel like there has to be an investigative quality and, um, a clear line of communication within the archetype to, to reach its highest expression. I want to touch on something that I think it relates to that. It also um, threads in something you just said, Kestrel, about balance. And balance, it shouldn't be mistaken for stillness or for exactly. fixity. Like if you p- actually put two things on a scale, what, when a perfect balance is reached, relatively perfect balance is reached, they're, they're always wavering in between those two those two. Um, I don't know the proper scale terminology, but the balance happens when they are wavering in the air between the two points. They're not like drooped to one side. And you can see the same in, you know, a, a dancer, if a dancer or a or yogi or whoever, if a dancer is, you know, balancing on their point shoe, it takes incredible effort and an incredible muscle strength to hold that, to hold that position. They're not still or not moving. They're incredibly active but it just like gives the appearance of steadiness. And so I think that constant adjustment, like in the Thoth deck, the, the justice card is represented as adjustment. And we can see it as the like taking a little from this and, and putting it over here and maybe putting it back. It's, you know, weighing the human heart against the feather. It's that, that constant like weighing between two options and I think that can be related to this investigative quality because it is like weighing two truths or trying to trying to get to the root of it by seeing how it weighs up so to speak definitely (laughs) yeah it brings sort of a seesaw image to mind or hovering or gentle firmness you know not grasping too tight but not too loosely so something breaks you know it's just 
Right. And like I said, the queen of paradox, (laughs) you know, you can hold both (laughs) Both polarities. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like trying to achieve equilibrium, but it's all an illusion, right? (laughs) Equilibrium is an illusion. It's, it's never exactly that. And I think that's the whole point of having kind of that more investigative mind and there's also a perfectionism quality with Libra too, right? Because it's ruled by Venus and, you know, seeing the beauty in equilibrium, harmony, balance, those sorts of things. But it's never exactly that. It's always moving. It's always wavering. Well, and I'm curious too, because I feel like you're pulling through some of the Pluto Mercury. And I'm, I'm just wondering if you thought about those placements too, and especially because we're in this season of Mercury's in its shadow, we're about to have a Mercury stage retrograde in Libra. Um, I'm just fascinated to get your take on that placement of Mercury there with Pluto sun. Well, because it's considered a stellium, you know, it's hard to kind of decipher what's what, um, since they're all so closely knit together in my chart. I just know that for me, maybe a lot of Libras will express themselves in this way where, you know, you're, you're very observant and you're watching, 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 um, a situation, or let's just say it's a conversation and you're basically taking in information and something has to strike you in a, in a very specific way in order for you to have an opinion communicate or go into more of that mediation mode. Um, And it's usually when you kind of feel that balance shifting or teetering, or, you know, you're watching for something to be unfair, (laughs) you know, almost like you're looking for it, you're seeking it out or something. Um, But that's where that kind of like mediator quality or judge quality comes in or kind of that lawyer point of view gets kind of activated within the mindset of a Libra. But I feel like for my specific placement, I can, I'll be very quiet until I really have something to say or until I feel like I can make a difference in a situation. If I don't feel like it's my place or if I don't feel like I can change something or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assessing why I need to even engage or why I need to interact in a certain situation or a conversation, um, But if I feel like this press, it's almost like a pressure coming up. It's like a welling inside of me where I'm like, oh, no, you need to speak up. You need to say something. You need to defend that person. You need to defend the situation. You need to make the situation better in some sort of way. And your opinion will do that or your skill set will do that. But it it has to come from a very intuitive place for that to happen. Otherwise, I I really don't have that much to say most of the time. Yeah, but it does, yeah, but it does reinforce that air quality. There's like a thoughtfulness about it, a mm-hmm. skillfulness about it, a, a wise mind about it. You're balancing, you know, you're probably having to really think through it rationally and also consider the emotions of it as well yeah. at the same time. And, and it's like, where do they meet? Yeah. And then also wanting to defend and you don't have to defend in every situation. <laughs> But, you know, that I think that's where like kind of the 
more, I guess, the, the quietness or the stillness or the more observing quality of, of a Libra will come in. But when the Mercury needs to speak up, it will, well, speak, it will up. speak up. Yeah. yeah. I think it could also be interpreted as a communication through beauty in a way. Like you're an artist, you're a photographer, you also design things. Like one way you communicate is through making beautiful things. And there is something with Libra. I notice it so much with Libra and also sometimes with Taurus and sometimes with Leo. This, um, like their embodiment is, there's a certain adornment about it. And like, I like you always have the most sumptuous fabrics or like mm-hmm. things that are glinting on you or your, your, your rings or your necklaces. You're, you're always like a vision. Yes. <laughs> it's like your, your, your embodiment is super Venusian. And that might be because you're a chart ruler. Merc- Mercury is also in Libra. Um, and the chart ruler slash the ascendant relates to one's physical embodiment. But like that is, that's like a difference between you and me representing, say, the Aries, where I can be like, I'll go to a grocery store in sweatpants and not think twice about it. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's not happening for me. <laughs> I'm like, during the pandemic, yeah, it's a, a big day if I'm putting on mascara. <laughs> I think that's how, I think it's, a, it's also therapeutic. Um, I know when I, you know, go get my nails done or I put on makeup or I, you know, I wear that special piece of clothing, it makes me feel better and it makes me perform better. So I don't necessarily think of myself as doing it for anyone else, but myself. Um, And I don't know if most leavers feel that way, but a lot of, a lot of bringing that element of beauty and aesthetic into our lives in a tangible way is for ourselves. And it actually propels us (laughs) in a certain way, especially creatively and artistically to have beautiful things around us or create beautiful situations um, and scenarios. So yeah, there's definitely that quality. And it's also a very like right brained archetype so everything's happening in a in a very visualistic kind of creative headspace and it's not necessarily needing to shift that vision into that more left brain mode of communication it's like we can hang out here in that visual space and not feel like it actually needs to be communicated at least that's for me Um, it's, I know it's in my head and it can just sit there and I can just continuously visualize something and then try to manifest it in, into reality from a visual perspective versus making it verbal or communicating in that way. It's like, um, creating graphic arts or creating photography versus writing, for example. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. I've been mourning my lack of spatial awareness lately as I attempt to learn how to drive <laughs> oh yeah well maybe you just need to get yourself a Venusian car <laughs> you'll want it and you'll want to drive more you'll want to take care of it more the Aries moon might feel safer in a Mars car <laughs> but or maybe a solar car <laughs> but I want to like uh land upon this too it's so yes there's beauty in like um the beautifying of the body, but 
I also see Libra as really connected to the designer archetype more mm-hmm. like the architect. And I, I think about how Saturn has its exaltation in Libra. And I think this is further, further proof that Libra is not simply soft or sweet. Like there is actually this hard edge to Libra that is quite Saturnian. And I think that's also where we see that longevity in relationship or the potential for longevity in relationship. But um, I do, I feel like Capricorns and Libras make great designers, great whether graphic designers, interior designers, uh, architects, other designers that I'm definitely missing. (laughs) There's this ability to not only envision the potentiality of beauty, but an aesthetic, but also to make something um, structurally intact or whole and like sound. Yeah, and, and I think you touched on something there. So Capricorn and Libra square each other in the zodiac and that Saturnian element, Saturn ruling Capricorn and Saturn being exalted in Libra brings like that structure and that longevity into the vision because I do see that endurance in both signs. I've seen this a lot in and Capricorn Libra couples, and I'm not just saying that because I'm in one, but I've met other Capricorn Sun and Capricorn and Libra Sun couples that do work together and do create art and 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 have had really long relationships. And I think again, that's bringing in that Saturnian element of longevity there. But yeah, there's something about that square nature that um, it's actually it's actually pretty harmonizing um, when we talk about aspects because, you know, squares can mean different things uh, d- depending on what you're talking about and what you're describing, but because they're both cardinal signs, um, there is that ability to start things over and over and over again until you get it right. Yeah. And I guess you just really brought a life for me. My husband has a st- like a full on stellium in Libra and he has Saturn mm-hmm. there and I can just see it in the work that he does. He's not an architect, but he is a builder and cop- carpenter craftsperson and bringing our home and other people's home and being able to do the aesthetic is so beautiful, you know, right. you can actually manifest it. Yeah. And he keeps going until he gets it right. Right. And there's mistakes, you know, there's There's a a lot lot of of mistakes. Well, yeah, there's a lot of mistakes that are made, but I think the cardinal energy there is what keeps it going and willing to just stop and start, stop and start, start over completely, you know, go back to the drawing board and we're going to start over. We're going to do it right this time. Um, Instead of just like throwing your hands up and giving up, you know? Right. Like having to take a whole roof down. Literally, (laughs) and start over not on our home but other projects I've seen him do yeah and not just one measurement is out of balance I mean one thing can send the entire project crashing down because something's out of whack (laughs) right and not just trying to patch it up you know I think that's a huge part of the Libra archetype and even the Capricorn archetype is you know not not having that mindset of, oh, we're just going to try to fix what we've already just completely fucked up. 
<laughs> you know, no, we're going to, no. we're going back to the drawing board. We're starting over. Um, yeah, which making is, it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making it right. Making it right. Like it comes back to that value in the integrity of it. And like, if you know something structurally off or symmetrically off or whatever, it's not part of your vision, then that's going to bother you. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. you know, the Aries designer might be more inclined to be like, let's just put some duct tape here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not, not really, but I'm being, I'm being um, hyperbolic. However, <laughs> yeah. I do think it's part of the person's own integrity to like a Libra person to want to make sure that, no, it's right. This is, this is it. This right. is what I want to have my name attached to. Right. Otherwise it's unjust. The Libra has to have something that they can get behind and, and really with their entire being feel that they can really put their name on it, you know, 100%. Yeah. And then yeah, spr- and spr- turn <laughs> down projects. <laughs> Don't dare sprinkle a little Virgo in there because you gotta, well, there a is ra- a sprinkle of Virgo. In <laughs> I was saying you gotta, um, just a, a recipe for some real fine OCD. <laughs> Yeah, I think we I think we've nailed the Libra archetype. Should we talk about the lunations? Because I yeah. feel like this Libra season is pretty notable, partly because it coincides with two Kazimis, three if you include the new moon as a Kazimi, and they're all within a few days of each other. So maybe we should re review that concept or unlock that a bit. What's Absolutely. what's a Kazimi? Well, I mean, I think of it in its like purest essence of when, you know, a particular planet or the moon comes under the beams of the sun and it's, it's a renewing process. It's something new is being, um, well, it's being purified, something's being purified and something new has an opportunity to be born. But as far as like a real definition I would almost lean into you Eliza or... <laughs> well no I agree I think it's yeah. definitely like a purifying you think of things like an, if you're piercing your ears and you're a teenager you're <laughs> using a lighter to purify your needle um there's a purifying that fire can offer um so you said under the beams like a planet has to go under the beams in order to be Kazemi, but there are different shades of conjunction with the sun. So, and there are different astrologers who have used different orbs for this. The ones I'll use now just for simplicity, which are, again, might shuffle depending on your tradition. If a planet comes under the beams of the sun when it's within about 15 degrees or so of the sun on either side. And that just means that planet can't be seen in its own light because the sun is so bright that anything that nears it is we're blinded to it. We can no longer see that body in its own right or, or light. Um, when the planet comes within seven degrees of the sun on either side, it's called combust. And both of these are debilities. They're considered quite bad for the planet because again, it's not visible. It's, it's actually linked to activity that might be more under the radar or activity that's not going to gain any visibility that you might want to keep secret. But it also means that planet is getting a bit singed. It's like not, it's struggling to really function on its own terms, although it may be diffusing that energy into the solar light itself. And I've seen this in natal charts with people who have combust mercury, but their solar expression is super mercurial, for example. Um, and then you have the Kazini moment which many medieval astrologers 
pinned down to just 16 minutes of arc. So a degree is made up of 60 minutes and they pinned it down to just 16 minutes of arc on either side of the sun. Before that, Hellenistic astrologers would use one degree and I can use both depending on what I'm feeling. But of course, the closer, the more precise. And in that exact conjunction of the sun, um, so the word Kazemi comes from the Arabic in the heart of the sun. And that's said to be an incredibly lofty and, and quite exalted place. I always think of it as like the planet really being able to beckon the king's ear or the emperor's ear, being able to speak truth to power in a very direct way. I think it can also be a time where great epiphanies come through or revelations, especially during a Mercury retrograde, which is of the mind. Um, but there will be not just a Mercury Cassini, <laughs> there will also be a Mars Cassini, and that's, that one comes first. So that's, that's the beginning of a new Mars cycle. And it happens the day, the exact Mars sun conjunction is actually the day after the new moon, but that new moon is also still conjunct Mars. So it's a super, I'm getting ahead of myself, but, <laughs> but it's that first lunation is very martial. Mm-hmm. And I believe that first one happens on October 6th. Is that correct? That is correct. And it's so interesting because I was also noticing that Mars Kazemi, I mean, it's the ending and the the beginning of this new cycle that started, wasn't it September 2nd, 2019 in Virgo. So it's a huge moment. Yeah. To reflect back on, yeah, what's happening in this return (laughs) of Mars to the heart of the sun during this lunation, which is amazing. It's a new moon lunation as well. Bearing in mind that Mars is in detriment in Libra though. So it's not in okay. its most powerful place. It's in a little bit more of a weakened state. Well, and then the messenger, you know, Mercury yeah. coming back through, I forget the exact date that Mercury will make the Kazemi to the sun, but I wonder if it'll take a little while, right. To understand what that's really about until Mercury actually hits that point or turns or stations retrograde. It's the Um, ninth. So Mercury will be stationing, I guess on the 26th, 27th of September. And then basically there's the new moon on October 6th. There's the Mars Kazemi on October 7th and then the Mercury Kazemi on October 9th. So it's like three days of these, Kazemi moments really in the heart of the sun and like a new seed unfurling. Um, I think it's so interesting that yes, Mars is in detriment, but also the planet ruling Libra and therefore Mars right now is also in detriment. detriment. (laughs) (laughs) And like I saw a post, I'm pretty sure it was Nina Griffin who, so in, in, um, in medieval astrology, this isn't referred to as mutual reception because they're not an aspect to each other. They're in a version, but it's called generosity. However, because they're both a detriment, she yeah. referred to it as basically two drunks, like yeah, helping each other sloppy. stumble home. <laughs> yeah. So it's, there's something there. There's some kind of, you know, goodwill, but, <laughs> but they're not very equipped to be at their best, to perform mm. at their best. No, it, there's, you know, I felt the the shift between Venus being in Libra to Venus going in Scorpio pretty heavy. I mean, there's just like this whole, <laughs> there's this whole just in, an, in the energetic field of our existence with, with Venus in Scorpio. Um, so it's your Venus in Scorpio, Jasmine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I'm like, for some reason, this feels like home. (laughs) (laughs) This black hole. This black hole. (laughs) Right. Seven of cups, (laughs) which is the Venus and Scorpio card. But, um, but yeah. Well, but I do want to touch on what you were getting at too, Kestrel, like, you know, every, every Mars Cassini, it is the beginning of this new two-year journey. And the three of us, I think, have witnessed this so intimately, like our friendship and our coming together can be charted through Mars cycles. Mm-hmm. I mean, my moving back to North America literally happened on like a super important day. I forget if it was, it wasn't the Cassini, I think it was the opposition to the sun, but that's also a, a pivotal point as a halfway point of the cycle. Um, and so now we're beginning a new one. So a lot of people do create a parallel between this and the hero or heroine's journey. Um, and it's interesting that this, this new cycle of like our will, our drive, what we're sort of motoring towards, it is seated in this sign that's not martial at all. And like it's, there might be maybe some kind of, maybe our will is, is a bit, diffuse at the beginning or we're not totally clear where to put it um yeah I don't know that thought's sort of half-baked but I do think it's important to note that this is the beginning of a new two-year cycle for everyone and they'll see it unfold in whatever part of the chart Libra is for them Mm -hmm. so just to like reiterate that happens on October 7th that exact Kajimi between Kazimi between Mars and the sun yeah. Yeah. And uh, listening to it with that Venusian quality, because I think of that hero's journey, like that call to adventure. I don't know if it'll have like a more creative component to it. I don't know. I'm just, again, my thoughts are half baked about it, but it is interesting to think about all the different components versus the last one where it was in a Mercury ruled sign in Virgo. Mm-hmm. Well, do you, do either of you have any thoughts about how that last one, as we're nearing the end of this one, like how are the last two years for you? I mean, obviously there was a global pandemic, <laughs> which curbed some activity, but how, um, do any of you have like thoughts or summarizing, summarizing thoughts about the last cycle that happened in both of your first house? Well, I think on a collective level, you know, the last two year cycle and, you know, here we go again, we're going to talk about the pandemic, you know, <laughs> but it just, it, it seems to me that the, the communication element of what we've all been experiencing over the last two years has been on the forefront of everyone's mind from, um, you know, how, how we, how we operate within the context of our relationships, how we are communicating with each other on social media, how, you know, this is all very mercurial Virgo type of, of themes that we're talking about here. So that has been completely thrown out of balance and out of whack. I feel like everybody is trying to get their footing now on what the next steps are in terms of their evolution of communication. Like how are they going to, how are they going to interact over social media at this point in time? Um, How do we restructure our relationships if they were damaged over this pandemic, right? And so there is this kind of Libran rebalancing and also bringing to justice, um, whether that's on a personal level or on a collective level, 
um, what that means now, because it's all being completely redefined. And that's kind of like how this shows up for me in terms of the collective level and my thinking around it. Um, and I'll be curious to see how that manifests because uh, communication has been just weird, <laughs> frankly, over the last two years, bringing that yeah. mercurial element into it. And the fact that this is all happening in Libra, there's there has to be a restructuring and a balancing that's going to happen over the next two years with that. And, and also a, there's an element of truth that has to come out as well. Um, at least that's what I'm hoping for. Because frankly, I feel like we've been, you know, lied to a lot, especially by the media uh, over the last two years. And people have to figure out the truth for themselves, mm-hmm. what that means, define it, for, redefine that for themselves. I don't know what you guys think about that, but. Yeah. I mean, I haven't thought, I mean, I guess as you're speaking about it and giving this summary, it's helping me to think a little bit of how it showed up for me. And I do think there is that huge piece of restructuring and relationships and learning how to better communicate. Yeah. I mean, it's just had such, the pandemics had such an impact on relationships overall, even friendships. And and that's a, a lot of the work that's showing up in my counseling room or my zoom (laughs) waiting room. You know, what's beautiful about friendships or just relationships in general right now that I find is the relationships that you still have that are still intact, (laughs) you know, whatever they are that have survived this really estranged kind of energy that we've all had to work with. It feels like those are, those are tried and true. (laughs) If you can get through this, then you can get through anything. And I've seen that happen in a lot of couples where, you know, there's a lot of divorce happening a lot of separation, a lot of breakups and, you know, friends, just friendships aren't existing in the same way. Um, But then the ones that are still there are the ones that have gone through it. The ones that have had their own therapeutic process or gotten help or decided to stay together or whatever it is, they just seem stronger, you know? So I think that that's, a real positive thing of, of what's come of this, in my opinion. I agree. We're all still here. <laughs> We're still here. Yeah. A year, we are a year still later. here. A year later. Oh. Well, more, more than a year later, but a year <laughs> for these counting? episodes. <laughs> um, should we look at the full moon? Yes. Yeah. Which I believe, so that's the Aries full moon. And I think it happens on the 20th, October 20th. Yep. Square Pluto. Woohoo! Fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mars is still right there, pretty close to the sun and quite tightly squaring Pluto. So at least yeah, the so. sun is separ- <laughs> at least the sun is separating from the square Pluto. True. But yeah, and the moon therefore also, but the moon does have to like go over that bump of turbulence on the way to fullness. I mean, this to me speaks to what you were just saying, Jasmine, around finding the truth or just like excavating to the root of the matter. Like Pluto, I just, I always do see Pluto with a sort of x-ray vision. Like you can't bullshit. No, you can try. You can try. (laughs) (laughs) There is this like, yeah, like spidey senses come into it. There's, there can be nothing logically on the surface that's off and that that person who's somewhat plutonic you jasmine for example will be like oh no something's not right it's something's not right here (laughs) but you have to remember like 
we've told the story before, but I remember as walking in Cairo on our first day and you just being like, something's not right. I think we should go back to the hotel. And I was like, it's the first day. We should go for a walk. You're like, no, something's not right. <laughs> and there was literally a bus explosion across, right across from where we were. <laughs> and like the, in that moment when we came, when we decided to go back, there's just this like different sensing that comes into play. Maybe that's also your Pisces moon, which for yeah. you too, Kestrel, is quite psychic. <laughs> but I don't know. I think there's this ability to like, you just see through to the, the root of something or a Pluto person does in this full moon, therefore, which is a Mars ruled moon. It's an Aries moon with the right. sun also mm. still close to the sun. It's super Marsy, but that Pluto quality does, it brings a layer of like deep probing that may not be super comfortable. Right. In a, in a restructuring of something, you know, restructuring of power in, in some sort of way. It feels like the moon has this like megaphone of some sort, like a whistle. This is kind of whistleblowing <laughs> configuration well, here, you guys. Yeah. Mercury's turned retro, you know, from the retrograde, it's turned direct the day before, if I have that correct. So now Mercury's going to move back over all of that terrain and can be that whistleblower of sorts. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Which I am curious. Yeah. Just to keep that in mind, since folks will be listening to this podcast before <laughs> Mercury stations retrograde, you know, it's been in its shadow moving over all this terrain. It'll station retrograde. It'll go backwards over all this terrain where the whole Mars Kazemi's happening, this new moon's happening, and then it's going to come back through. And I think when it gets to Scorpio after November 5th, I think it's November 5th that it goes into Scorpio. I'm curious what that tongue is going to have to say. This one feels like just hold on to the seat of your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? Well, and I loved how Austin Coppett was talking about, I think it was Mercury Mars in the astrology podcast for the forecasts for what month are we in September, which also includes Virgo and Libra season, not continuing to dig a hole with our tongue. So I feel like there's some Hmm. strategy there too <laughs> yes Slow which has down. been kind of which is <laughs> yeah which goes back to like the last two years of <laughs> digging holes with our tongues you know um and that kind of just that not being the case anymore just starting over starting anew starting fresh with a, a different sort of perspective on how we communicate mm-hmm. I like that analogy of the digging hole <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just I can like terrible. see it though. It's like in the dirt. Gross. <laughs> I keep using it. It just so struck me. Um, which I guess in Libra, Mercury and Libra too, right? Like maybe pause and think about what you're saying. Cause if you just keep running at the mouth, which Mars might cause you to do, it could be really destructive. Right. And then that Mercury retrograde gives us that, you know, when the when Mercury is between the sun and our planet earth, you know, it's more of that inward time to reflect before you say anything. Well, and staying off social media too. I mean, that's yes. always <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> if, if you don't have anything positive to say, no, but I, I think about that as just 
taking that time to completely back up from technology uh, on that level or social media, it seems like a good time to do that. Maybe think about things that involve uh, enhancing the mind activities like reading and maybe doing art and that sort of thing. I think also it comes back to what you were saying before about being investigative, like with that Pluto square at the end, it's not like you have to ignore what's going on. Take notes, take photos, but you don't have to video yet. Video people when they don't know. (laughs) I'm joking. joking. (laughs) But you don't have to act on it, but you can still gather your evidence. If only, even if you never share it with anyone, just even for your own understanding, like if something is awry in whatever area of your life do take note be present but you you know that fodder can be nurturing your own understanding of what's really going on and not just to call someone out maybe you also want to call someone out but (laughs) I think it's useful also to get a more holistic uh, understanding of the situation so and Eliza has Mercury and Scorpio so she's all about (laughs) investigating (laughs) She's all about investigating where there doesn't need to be any investigation. (laughs) She'll make a reason. She'll make a reason. (laughs) Well, do we have anything else that we need to touch on? Any last words? I don't think so. No, it's been great though. I feel like every time we do one of these episodes and I get a major download, especially when we have somebody really representing the sign. So thank you. I'm definitely seeing some things and with new eyes through you, Jazz. Mm-hmm. Our Libra specimen, our resident Libra specimen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> where where can people find us? <laughs> you can always find us at cosmictonic.com. Um you can also find Kestrel there as well. And Kestrel's Instagram is at kesaru. And our Instagram is at cosmictonic and our Twitter is cosmic_tonic. We'd like to thank everyone for being here and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.